0: A podcast. Did your radio show get canceled?
1: Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. School myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure even in fury. An anomaly. Properties
0: undiscernible to me. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we examine why i'm currently so frustrated with financial advisors oh yes could get some email on this one why i'm currently frustrated with the financial advice industry for those of us joining in us for the first time and those of you joining us for the first time i'm peter dunn pete the planner Back in the studio uh, in Indianapolis, because I'm on the road yet again, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona this week, back in the the studio in Indianapolis is our good friend, producer uh, Nicole. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Pete. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. So uh, today we're talking why I'm so frustrated with financial advisors. Let's give you some background here. Uh, I am a former financial advisor, and no, I did not get booted from the industry because of a Ponzi (laughs) scheme. Uh, I just, uh, I'm still in the financial world. I'm really more in the financial wellness space. That's neither here nor there. When I was a financial advisor, what I'm about to talk about with you today frustrated me then. And there's been a huge uptick of this. Now it is my biggest pet peeve. It is the insistence on the fee-based community. Okay. So, uh, as a point of distinction, there are really two major, Uh, ways you can compensate a financial advisor. One is via commission. And while your money is used to compensate that individual, oftentimes that fee is of course paid by the financial institution uh, in which your advisor places your business with, okay? So there's the commission-based advisors, then there's the fee-based advisors. Fee-based advisors are, are folks that you pay directly, you know exactly what you pay them, And oftentimes you either pay them out of pocket or you make the choice to let the investment itself uh, liquidate in small portions to pay them. But finally, here is why I'm so frustrated. (laughs) I am sick and tired of financial advisors going with the mantra, we only make more money when you make more money. Now see what happens, you're gonna hear this on commercials. You could hear it on a commercial during the break of this show. As long as you're not listening on the podcast, because you'll just hear amazing music. Uh, if you're listening on the radio right now, or if you watch TV, it's oftentimes on cable news, on Fox News, or CNN, or MSNBC, Bloomberg, CNBC, you're going to see commercials that, that purport that uh, a financial advisor, if you go with them, they will only make more money if you make more money. Therefore, they feel that your interests are aligned. <laughs> I completely completely disagree with that sentiment, and and there's two major reasons. Number one, um, at best, it's insincere, okay? it's At best, it's insincere, because here's the reality. If you lose money, as I will show you here in a few minutes in the next segment, they still make a lot of money. So you're not perfectly aligned. If you were perfectly aligned, then uh, they would make significantly less money when you make money. Now, don't get me wrong or when you, when you don't make money, don't get me wrong, they do make less money, but it's not that big a deal, as you will learn. And then at worst, the assertion that it, uh, your, your interests are aligned based on the fee, it, it, it's, it's misrepresentative of the relationship that you should have with your advisor. It's the old, if you do well, if I, I get paid. If you don't do well, I get paid. And don't get me wrong, I have no problem with a financial advisor getting paid. And I probably should have said this to start the show. I want you to have a financial advisor. Oh, I want you to have a financial advisor. I want you to have a financial advisor so badly that I'm, I'm dedicating this show to helping you pick a good financial advisor. It is my opinion. I, I shouldn't have to express the fact that something's my opinion when it's on my show, but this is my opinion. My opinion is that if you are attracted to an advisor to do business with them because they say that your interests are aligned because they only make more money when you make more money, you need to back up <laughs> because that is, in, in my estimation, not a great reason to want to do business with someone. So here's what we're gonna do. In this first segment here today, <clears throat> we're gonna go through, and we're gonna go through an entire year's worth of returns. You know, we're gonna hypothetically, we're gonna give you a half million dollars today. Who knew? listening to this silly little show, you'd be given a half million dollars, but it's monopoly money, right? It's not it's not even monopoly money. It, it, it literally is, it's nothing. But we're gonna assume you have 500,000. We're not gonna, anyway, let's move on. $500,000, then I'm gonna show you what a year's worth of positive returns does to not only your portfolio, but to your advisor's fees. It's important to understand uh, this. Most financial advisors that are fee-based are paid on a quarterly basis. So at the end of each quarter, you settle up on their fee, and uh, in my opinion, uh, actually this is even an opinion, just math, you should generally pay their fee out of your pocket as opposed to out of the investment proceeds, or, or the, 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 the gain proceeds, I should say. So let's take a typical fee. Now fees can range anywhere from what we call in the industry 50 basis points, which means, one half of a percent. Okay. One half percent all the way up to 2%, which I'm just going to go out and say, that's crazy. You should not be paying someone 2% to manage your investments. For the sake of conversation today, we're going to say that you pay your advisor 1%, which is really fair. It's pretty fair. Now, if you got a million dollars or more, you should not be paying someone at 1%. You should be paying less than that. If you got a lot less than a couple hundred thousand dollars, you probably will be paying a lot more than 1%, probably one and a half percent, but probably shouldn't be any more than that. So let's do it. All right, so here's here's what we're gonna say. At the beginning of quarter one, we're gonna go through four quarters, the four hypothetical quarters, so you can understand how you pay your financial advisor. And of course, in this next segment, we're gonna show you what that looks like when you lose money. So beginning of quarter one, you've got 500,000. We're gonna say that you made 10% on the year or, two and a half percent per quarter. So at the end of quarter one, let's say your portfolio went up two and a half percent. the value of the portfolio is up two and a half percent. That doesn't necessarily mean that you made that money. You didn't lock in your gains. It's just, it's valued now at 512,500 bucks because you made two and a half percent in the first quarter. Now, hypothetically, we're gonna say your advisor's fee is but on the quarter, it's a quarter of 1%, right? You don't pay 1% uh, uh, per quarter. You pay a quarter of the percent. You pay a quarter of the fees as you go. So that means that uh, your fee for that first quarter is $1,281.25. So at the end of that quarter, you will have had $512,500 being the value of your portfolio, you would have one thousand two hundred and eighty-one dollars uh, being your fee, and if you took that fee out of the portfolio, like I prefer you not, you would have five hundred and eleven thousand dollars, five hundred eleven two hundred eighteen dollars, five hundred eleven thousand two hundred eighteen dollars. I didn't say that right. Okay, so that's quarter one. So Nicole, jumping back in here. At the end of one quarter, you're not upset because you made 12,000 bucks. What do you really care that you paid 1,200, right? I mean, right, yeah, after, no. that, that passes the sniff test, That's right? it's
2: offsetting it. Yeah, no, at that point, it's not even really a detail.
0: Right, exactly. No, no one cares at that point. No one cares. Next quarter, uh, your starting balance is 511,218 if you happen to pay the fees out of the account, which a lot of people do. A lot of people do because people just don't want to write a check for 1,200 bucks to their advisor. They should, but they don't. But they don't. Uh, so their ending uh, balance after that next quarter's two and a half percent return takes them to uh, $523,999.22. They made another 12,780 in that quarter, yet their fee went up, right? The advisor made more money because you made more money. The fee was now $1,310 dollars, essentially a $29 increase in fee. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? I would agree. What's the big deal you paid another $29 in fees and you made another 280 bucks, not too shabby, right? So going into the third quarter, your balance is 522,689 bucks. You make another two and a half percent. You pay the quarter percent fee. Um, which is at that point it increases because your uh, value of your account increased, the fee is now $1,339, and your ending balance is 534000 bucks. Then you get into the fourth quarter, Nicole, and you got that other uh, 2.5% gain, you pay the quarter percent fee. At the end of the year, your ending balance is $546,408, and you've paid $5,300 in fees. So that's good. Okay, So yeah. and, I, and, I, and I want to be very clear. That's great. That's yeah. what we want. Nicole, if, if if you had to file a half million bucks and at the end of a year you had $546,000 and in order to achieve that, you had to have paid $5,300, uh, you're comfortable with that, right?
2: Oh, yeah. That, that makes it pretty well worth
0: it. I think so. Yeah. So here's the problem. Oh. When it goes down, The the math is consistent because we're dealing with percentages, but it starts to not make as much sense for some reason. So coming up after the break, I'm going to show you what happens to your fees when you lose money, why your advisor and your interests aren't exactly aligned because they're still making a lot of money and you're losing a lot of money. That is next here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the planner stop
1: what you're doing lock, lock on. and hit
0: pete up on twitter at pete
1: the planner uh, uh, primo b man uh, sound good to me uh, i never questioned the right. The voice his opinion as strong like against any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a camp again. Revamp the camp
0: again. Alright, so my biggest pet peeve for financial advisors is to claim that uh interests are aligned. That they only make more money when you make more money. Nicole, you've had to have heard that line of thinking and advertising. I know you don't watch a lot of cable news <laughs> and you don't listen to the radio that much, but you've had to have heard that, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so uh, not that you're a noob or that you don't understand this stuff because you understand this stuff more than 90% of the people out there. <laughs> a noob. <laughs> right? That <was> great. <laughs> the, yes. So do you, you got to think though, right? You hear that and it's like, oh, that sounds pretty great, right? Yeah.
2: Well, that's like, unless you really dive into it or exactly like you said, you know a little bit about the industry, you think from, you know, first glance, you're like, oh, that's not that bad.
0: All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into it. So if you, in the first segment we talked about uh, what happens if you have a two and a half percent return every quarter for four quarters and you pay your you know, annual 1% investment management fee broken down into a quarter of a percent per quarter. Funny how that works. What ends up happening is you made $46,000 under that uh, scenario over the course of one year. $46,000 on your initial half million dollar investment, and you paid $5,300 in fees. And Nicole, you and I, uh, collectively, which means everyone feels this way, we <laughs> were okay with that. We yeah. were okay the fact that you made 46000 bucks and you paid $5,300 to get that done. We're okay, right?
2: Yeah, we're okay with that.
0: All right, so let's, let's dig deep into, what if it doesn't happen that way? What if you start with a half million bucks, and in this scenario, what we're gonna do is we're gonna show you, um, Losing two and a half percent per quarter. Now, I have to be honest. If I look at my statement, I've lost two and a half percent. I don't know if I particularly care. I really, I, I really don't. Where it gets interesting is if you're doing two and a half percent of $500,000. That's 12,500 bucks. Now, if you lost $12,500 off of a half million bucks at the end of the first quarter, you'd have $487,500. Of course, you got to pay your management fee. They still manage your money. Yeah, you lost 2.5%. It may or may not have been your advisor's fault, which is another important distinction here, because I'm trying to be fair. If you if you lose money, although your advisor may oversee the process, it doesn't make it your advisor's fault. It doesn't even make it their responsibility. It's just reality. It's sort of the uh, they're the messenger, don't shoot the messenger. In some circumstances, but also, to be fair, sometimes, oh, it certainly is your advisor's fault. In this scenario, let's see, who cares whether it's their fault or not, you still have to pay them $1,218 for that first quarter. They lost you 12500 Then you had to pull out your check register and write them a check for $1,218.75. Nicole, that probably would not be great.
2: No, that doesn't sound as great.
0: It's not, especially when you stack on the second quarter loss of 2.5% of another $12,157. Your balance, which was once $500,000, is now $474,000. bucks. you have lost just under 25000 or, or you've lost over 25000 because of fees, uh, when you include fees. And then you have to write them another check for another $1,185. So two quarters in, you've paid out... Uh, $2,400 in management fees, $2,400 in management fees, and your balance is now $28,000 less than what you started with. Uh, and that commercial where they said, we only make more money when you make more money really starts to ring uh, hollow, right? Yeah,
2: that, that pretty, st- yeah.
0: And that's two quarters at two and a half percent, which isn't that bad. So let's dive back in. Quarter three, you lose (laughs) another two and a half percent, hypothetically here. You pay that very reasonable quarter of a percent for your quarterly fee, another $1,152. So at this point in time, what we have is you've paid $3,550 in management fees, and you are now down $41,000.
2: Boy, this escalated quickly.
0: God, it got spicy.
2: Yeah, it did.
0: You're like...
2: Oh, this isn't too slow, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real slow burn. Uh,
0: Next quarter, final quarter in this uh, scenario, you're at 2.5% loss uh, as this hypothetical exercise is going, uh, which takes you to $448,000. You have to pay that $1,100 quarterly fee, which then takes your balance to $447,342.42. This is to suggest, Nicole, that you lost roughly... In value, fifty-two hundred six, or pardon, fifty-two thousand six hundred dollars. Fifty-two thousand six hundred dollars, and you've paid forty-six hundred dollars in fees. That's where you hear a commercial. You see a commercial, which which is the whole reason I'm having this show today, because I I get so upset every time I see. Well, our interests are aligned. That that is Uh, technically well, it's technically true. It's technically true but it's insincere because when you when you lose me or you are partially responsible as an advisor, like I was an advisor, for losing someone $52,000 and they pay you $4,600 to have them you lose them $52,000, it sure as heck does not feel like you're aligned. No. All right, so let's take a look at what happens with our couple minutes left in this segment. What happens the next year once you were down 2.5% a quarter that year, let's say you go up, up 2.5% per quarter after that. I'm gonna sort of fast forward this one a little bit, not read through each quarter, but here's the bottom line. If, if in the second year of this particular illustration, you then gain 2.5% a quarter, here's what ends up happening. Your ending balance is $488,892. And in this scenario, you have paid $9,300. You've paid $9,300 uh, to your advisor over the course of 24 months, eight quarters. And you are down $12,000 from your initial investment. There's a couple things we're illustrating here. One of them that we have to mention, <laughs> otherwise this looks like a complete fraud. Yeah. Um, anytime you do something like this, where you're where you're showing projected investment gains or losses, anytime you show a loss in the first year, whether it's uh, showing retirement income projections or in this case, advisor fees, anytime you show a loss in the first year, man, this thing goes to heck in a handbasket pretty fast. Yeah. Um, now, if we would have shown a gain, then a loss, it's a little bit more favorable. But I, but I have to, I don't know. I, I was going to say I have to be honest. I don't know if it's being honest. It's just being transparent. Yeah. If, if I'm a client and I pay my advisor $9,300 over a course of two years and I'm down $11,000, and that'd be, I mean, that's if you're consistently down 2.5% uh, for four quarters, then consistently up 2.5% for four quarters. That's really frustrating, and and I think the disconnect that a lot of consumers and clients feel is that the fee-based industry makes it feel as though what I've just described isn't reality. They gloss over it in their marketing, they gloss over it in their one-on-one discussions with people, but it is reality and it is frustrating. Again, the point of my show today is not to talk you out of having a financial advisor. I want you to have a financial advisor. But I want you to talk about this scenario. I want you to talk about their thoughts on you paying them in down years. I'm not expecting them to waive their fees, but I want honest discourse. All right, coming up after the break, uh, we're gonna, I got a good email. We're going to go through an email I got from a caller or, or emailer. I didn't get an email from a caller. Anyway, we're going to do that next <laughs> here on the Pizza Planner Show. I am... Pete the Planner. Yeah.
1: Axe Hand on the Beat.
2: Yes,
1: sir. Glass House. Yes, sir. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher. Oh, ATFU. Nap in like the end of the game at the casino, I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me swiftly through the avenues and boulevards, old soul playing on my speakers, old soul but young and age, of boss player, not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me every
0: Indiana game. Oh, we reach into mind. our uh, email inbox here in this segment of the Pete the Planner show. If you missed the last segment, where were you? I mean, the show started a while ago. Uh, now, you know, in the last couple of segments, we we're talking about uh, how much I, I do love uh, the fact that you should have a financial advisor. I want you to have an investment advisor, but I still get frustrated with some of the practices of an investment advisor. And if you missed any of that conversation, please go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Here's the question of the day. Sort of a long one, Nicole, but it's a good one. So let's get after it. <laughs> Hi, Pete. Uh, my wife and I wanted your opinion on just how we should go about paying for college. I'm 49 and my wife is 48. We have four children, twins that are 17 and going to college in the fall, and we also have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. Nicole, that already sounds incredibly expensive.
2: Yes, it does.
0: And and just imagine if they're all girls and you're dealing with paying for weddings. Like, this is, I'm already sad. Oh, my sad.
2: gosh. Yeah, no. Mm-mm.
0: Uh, my wife and I both have decent careers that will provide pensions. Also, between the two of us, we have about $1 million to supplement our <laughs> pensions in retirement. Uh, the mortgage uh, between their, their 403Bs and things like that. Uh, the mortgage has two years left on it, and then the house will be paid off. Each child has a 529 plan with about $115,000 between all four plans. We have a home equity line of $250,000 that we've never used and hold on to for emergency use. Now there'll be some gift money from the grandparents, and we're going to be, uh, and we're going to have the kids take loans for a portion of their tuition, so they have some investment in their own education. After graduation, we may help them with those loans if we're able, but we're not telling them that that now. So don't read this on the radio. Whoa. I'm just kidding. I made that <laughs> Uh Retirement for us is probably approximately ten years away. So we have some ideas how to fund college, and again, we want your opinion. We could use some of our home equity line uh, funds. Uh, now I know the interest is not tax deductible anymore with the tax law changes, but we could take money from that loan without having a closing. Uh, also with the four kids at this time, we don't know exactly how much we would need to borrow in the future being the youngest is in seventh grade. Another possibility is to use the gift money and 529 money upfront and not space those funds out over four years. Then once the home is paid off in two years, We could then put some of that money towards tuition. Yet another option is to refinance our mortgage altogether. Do you have any advice on the best way to go about paying for college given our financial circumstances? Your help is greatly appreciated. Thanks, (laughs) Joe and Michelle. You know, Nicole, at first glance, their situation is pretty sweet.
2: I was going to say, looking at it and just hearing everything that they've got set aside and what they haven't touched yet, it's like you guys, for four kids, you're sitting in a pretty good situation.
0: Yeah, here's the, here's the thing about this email. I, I get a lot of emails from people that lay out their financial situation for me. And I can just tell the way this email is written that I really trust these people, not, not because of what they have going on, but they do have good things going on. Yeah. But this is just a really well thought out and crafted email, like the, the logic is there. So I know that's a silly way to say I, I trust whatever these people end up doing, but I gotta be honest, they seem they seem pretty pretty well put together. Now here's here's the direction I would go. Yeah. Uh, thinking through this, I like uh, I like the idea of using the gift money and the five twenty nine money up front until uh, the home is paid off. Yeah. In two years, because if they do that, then they can begin to to some degree to cash flow college. Um, and, and in fact, that that's part of Mrs. Planner and I's plan. Uh, with two kids who will be in college at the same time. We are, of course, aggressively saving into 529 plans. I don't just do those commercials on the radio for nothing. I I actually uh, (laughs) save into one, invest in one. But part of our plan is our home will be paid off and we'll be able to use that monthly cash flow to help fund college. Um, I also like the idea here, Joe and Michelle, if you're listening, uh, which we can only assume that they are. Uh, I I also like their plan to... um, make the kids take out some loans. Now, some parents may disagree with that particular theory. Uh, and, and in fact, that was never one of my plans for my kids is to have them take out loans. But but now that Joe and Michelle, as much as I trust them, now that that's part of their plans, I actually am sort of considering that. You know, it's funny, I had my college paid for. My parents, um, actually, I think they refinanced uh, their home, our family home, to send me to college. Of course, my sister. Uh, had a college scholarship because she's a dominant athlete but i did not um and and so i never paid a dime for my college education and nicole i know this is a weird thing to say i kind of wish i would have i think i would have taken it a little bit more seriously See,
2: and that's where i'm sitting here thinking that's my only thing that i disagree with them is that this is coming from the eyes of a 24 year old who is paying down student loans And I'm very thankful for everything that my parents did to help send me to school. Um, Part of my student loan was if I didn't get certain grades, I had to take out uh, student loans. And so there was a semester that I'm now kind of taking care of. And that's the only thing. I think if there's a certain amount of student loans that's doable, that helps keep a kid accountable after they graduate from school. But at the same time, I'm seeing individuals that I went to school with that are paying off their student loans. And it is just crippling them right now
0: so let let me pump the brakes here for a second because i think you just said something that i had never considered are you telling me what our 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 fun little nicole yeah one semester your grades were not what they needed to be and in that moment you had to take out student loans
2: yeah my that, that was the deal is i had to maintain a certain gpa and if my gpa fell beneath that i had to pay for whatever course that that grade did not you know meet the bill
0: oh my God, I love your parents so much.
2: Oh my gosh, it was the best. And that's like one of those. So if they were to do something like that, I think that's a great encourager because it's, like I said, from my standpoint, that was what got my butt back in line is I was like, this this is horrible. I don't want to have to do this for the rest of my college career is to take out student loans. And so that got my butt back in line to get the grades that I needed to. So I think if you use it as that kind of leverage, that's a good way to go about it. But like I said, it's also one of those, I see the negative effects that it has on some of my friends I went to school with.
0: If we're having an honest conversation here, which I believe we are, I have to admit, if my parents set up that that thing for me, yeah, I would have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans <laughs> because, uh, a, I wasn't, my grades weren't fantastic. They were okay, right? But I don't, I don't think I respond well to that sort of a negative reinforcement. Some people do, some people don't. I'm the don't. Yeah. But that's a, that's a cool thing for you. And yeah, and to, jo, to Joe and Michelle, I don't know, maybe that works for your people. Maybe it doesn't. But I, I do like I, I don't think you should refinance the house. No, I don't think um, unless you have to, I, I probably wouldn't get the home uh, equity line involved. Um, and I think a big part of this, too, is you can't write a blank check when you're going to have four kids going through college, that is no. to suggest you're really going to have to strategically help them choose the right school. Um, and I think too often parents write that blank check and they say, well, whatever you want, we'll figure a way out. And while that is very a uh, nice thing to say, and arguably the inside of a Hallmark card, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a great strategy for college education because of, Nicole, like you said, the realities of trying to pay off those debts post-graduation.
2: Yeah, no. I think that's like one of those. I think that's part of the conversation. And you and I have talked about this before of what a crucial role school selection is in the whole college conversation.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've got a good friend who's got, you know, his daughter's probably 26 now. And, you know, based on what she studied in school, there was little to no chance she could find a job in that field. I mean, the field—I don't want to get too specific here—but the field kind of doesn't even exist. No. Yet, yet, yet she studied it, and it was sort of like—I got I to admit—it was a little self-indulgent. You go to school for four years to to study something that. This is where my this is where Mrs. Planner and I sometimes uh, have different perspectives on this. So mm. I'm trying to be careful in case she's listening today.
2: No, I'm the same uh, way. <laughs>
0: Like, I I know a lot of people go to get their education for enlightenment and and all those sorts of things. But when tens of thousands of dollars are on the line and you don't have tens of thousands of dollars, enlightenment can't really be the reason that you study one thing versus another that can uh, uh, provide you the means to pay back the loan.
2: No, like it was one of those, did I want to study, you know, dance and take fashion classes my whole college career? Yes, absolutely. Did I, though? No.
0: Did I want to? uh, study dance and take fashion classes my entire career? No, I didn't
2: bash bass fishing classes though.
0: Oh my God. You know, IU (laughs) has a bass fishing team. Most major colleges have a bass fishing team. (laughs) I follow them on the gram.
2: I wonder if you could swing a special deal or something to have, like to be like an assistant coach or something because of the work that you do with them.
0: That's a really good point. Here's the thing, though. I don't know enough about fishing to teach the young people about fishing. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. Then, coming up after the break, more of our show. It'll be so great. More of the show, uh, The Pete the Planner Show. If you miss any of it, go to petetheplanner.com slash podcast. If you want to email us and maybe I'll read your email in the air, go to askpete at Coming up after the week, the biggest waste of money of the week. And yes, It's a horrible airline story. All that is next. I'm Pete the Planner.
1: Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from. And look out for the lumberjacks running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me
0: remain calm it all... This week's BWAM, biggest waste of money of the week, blends... Oh, by the way, I, I did mention it earlier. It's a road edition, another... Peter on the road edition of the Pete, the planner show. I'm in uh, a hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) I think, uh, no more road. I I guess we'll do one more. Nicole from Orlando, right?
2: When, when are you in Orlando?
0: I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe,
2: I don't know. Maybe we'll do one in studio next week.
0: So, uh, biggest waste of money of the week this week. It's sort of an unfortunate incident. Uh, I was, uh, of course, working out as about 6am on, uh, Wednesday morning, and I get a notification on my phone that my flight delayed from 10.20 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Now, Nicole, that's a heck of a delay. 10.20 to 3.30 is a big— That's a delay big... if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. And so the problem was that meant I was going to miss my connection in Denver, now at this point in time, that's a bad thing because I had to speak in Arizona later that afternoon. So I, I did not have the time to miss a flight. No. So I, uh, I, I pulled a little travel ninja move that I've learned <laughs> that instead of trying to rebook completely to Phoenix, what I would do is take a different flight, different airline to Denver to catch my original connection. Right? Yes. Well, I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a stellar move. Now, if you do that, here's what you got to do. This is a uh, a little travel hacker action for you here today. Here's what you got to do if you ever do that. You have to call the original airline and tell them that you're not going to be on the first leg of the trip because they will cancel your second leg of the trip if you're not on the first leg of the trip. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So I did that, and uh, you know, I explained the situation. Like I had to be there. They obviously were having problems, and they were going to have me five or six hours late. And so... Nicole, they 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 rebooked my ticket and just nice. made it a Denver to Phoenix. And uh, here's where it gets bad. Oh. I went I went from the A boarding group <gasps> to the C boarding group. No. And they didn't refund the first leg of the journey, and I had to pay
2: what? four
0: hundred dollars to get from Indy to Denver. Oh
2: United. my God.
0: So that is this week's biggest waste of money of the week. But here, here's the thing. I made it in one piece. I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to take the red eye home tonight.
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, Like the airlines uh, who I landed around like 1 a.m. Tuesday, only to then be followed up with the Southwest uh, tragedy that is going on right now.
0: I know. Yeah, that's fun. That's awful. I, you know that's a that's a terrible situation. As someone who flies a lot, I don't even really think about the possibility of that.
2: No, neither did I. As especially being on a Southwest flight, sitting by a window seat, I didn't even have that you that idea.
0: I do want to give a uh, a preview of what's on the show next week. Yeah, I'm thinking ahead, Nicole. I know what is going to be on the show next week.
2: It's like you're a planner.
0: I know. So uh, you don't know this yet, but we are doing a group book club uh, at work. I I. Uh, I haven't. So did I tell you that yet?
2: No, I haven't seen a... you in two weeks. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, I we I'm telling everyone on Monday we're reading a new book. It's about habits, and so next week on the show we're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about how a person can identify the negative habits, the bad habits in their life, and replace those habits with good habits. Now, here's the here's the challenge with this. As I really tease next week's show, it is not. A straight exchange it's not um, for instance, as I, I wrote about this in USA today this week um, it's not like changing batteries out of a remote control car you know it's not like, like the, the batteries run out they're bad you take them out you put good ones in and you're off and running again yeah if, if, if changing habits from a bad to good were that easy everyone would do it and there would be no behavioral issues no and unfortunately it's just it's just not that way so uh, the challenge that we will talk tackle next week is how to identify the bad habits, um, and a lot of times, you, you you won't even realize that what you're doing is a bad habit because it, it it in itself is just a habit to you, and it doesn't feel bad because you're tolerant. You become increasingly tolerant of that particular behavior so next week is a very deep episode we may need to light candles in the studio <laughs> according you know you know of course in accordance with the fire code and i'll actually be in the studio
2: that's amazing
0: we can we can fire back up pete the which we've been on a little bit of a hiatus because filming me in my hotel room is just really creepy
2: Yeah, maybe not we kind of we decided yeah maybe not
0: <laughs> we did it that one time when I was in, uh, in Atlanta because it was a nice hotel room, oh, but uh, now, it's, now it feels creepy. So that's what's up next week on the show. Uh, depending on what area of the country you're in, um, here, here's the newspaper column you will see from me uh, this week. Uh, you are going to um, have my new college grad piece uh, that, that came out. Uh, so I think the Indianapolis Star is getting that this week talking about the best way to start off your 45-year career. And uh, the difference you can make uh, is a half-million-dollar difference in the end. And, Nicole, I believe we actually talked about that on the radio a couple of weeks ago.
2: I think you're right. I think we did.
0: Um, and then we are going to talk, uh, or you're going to see in the newspaper, too, basically the segment we did to start our show today. Uh, the impact of paying your financial advisor, your investment advisor's fees, when your investments go down so that that is uh, i break that down so if you like the first part of the show today and you actually want to see the numbers pick up a copy of usa today or whatever gannett paper you happen to get and then finally um what you will see in usa today next week uh will be the topic of our show next week and that is the idea of exchanging your bad habits for good habits that's how it works do you like that new that new segment we have called uh this is in your paper.
2: This is in your paper. Yes, I like it. I also think we need to get started on. Let me be frank.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's let's start a new segment right now. We've got like a minute left. Uh, Nicole, this is a new segment called Let Me Be Frank. And it's a chance for you to to say whatever you want. Yeah,
2: I don't know. I went to the post office the other day and, you know, I walk in and as tax day was last Sunday and we got an extension because of some glitch in the system. There's a couple people in there trying to get all feisty with these postal workers about things being delayed and them being charged by the government. And just let me be frank. Y'all had how many months to get your taxes put together? How many months? And these are adults, too. You all know what's coming. A lot of them were probably retired as well. There's not a ton of things that are surprises that you need to account for. If I can get my taxes turned in by the middle of January, as can you.
0: This new segment's gonna be a banger.
2: Just me being. Holy
0: sassy. cow! Let me be Here's frank. the fu- here's the funny thing to me, Frank. Yeah. Uh, this has all occurred <laughs> now that you're a year older. Yes. Like you, I'm not kidding. You went from 23 to 24, and you're basically 45 now.
2: Yeah, I you
0: know
2: uh, I, I see things through a different lens now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, that's all we have time for this week. I'm sure you're glad, everybody. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Again, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. If you miss anything next week, exchanging bad habits for good habits in studio, wonderful microphone edition of the show next week. Thanks for listening, reminding you. I'm sending good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show.
1: If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your you money like, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on.
0: This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning the flights. Consult a financial the plot is a
1: dove from Everest. The fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET, where to John Pesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation it's amazing so amazing i'm the reason uh, salutations i bring you love trying greetings from a far away land i am the sole controller put the remote down and let me take control you're now a part of my zone so enjoy yourself love trying can restore your health i bring you greetings uh, salutations how you doing and is that how y'all say it